Section 11 of Hinduism and Buddhism, an historical sketch, volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hinduism and Buddhism, an historical sketch, volume 1, by Charles Eliot. Rebirth and the Nature of the Soul. The most characteristic doctrine of Indian religion, rarely absent in India and imported by Buddhism into all the countries which it influenced, is that called metempsychosis, the transmigration of the soul or reincarnation. The last of these terms best expresses Indian, especially Buddhist, ideas, but still the usual Sanskrit equivalent, samsara, means migration. The body breaks up at death, but something passes on and migrates to another equally transitory tenement. Neither Brahmins nor Buddhists seem to contemplate the possibility that the human soul may be a temporary manifestation of the eternal spirit which comes to an end at death, a leaf on a tree or a momentary ripple on the water. It is always regarded as passing through many births a wave traversing the ocean. Hindu speculation has never passed through the materialistic phase, and the doctrine that the soul is annihilated at death is extremely rare in India. Even rarer, perhaps, is the doctrine that it usually enters on a permanent existence, happy or otherwise. The idea underlying the transmigration theory is that every state which we call existence must come to an end if the soul can be isolated from all the accidents and accessories attaching to it then there may be a state of permanence and peace but not a state comparable with human existence however enlarged and glorified but why does not this conviction of impermanence lead to the simpler conclusion that the end of physical life is the end of all life because the hindus have an equally strong conviction of continuity everything passes away and changes but it is not true to say of anything that it arises from nothing or passes into nothing if human organisms or any other organisms are mere machines if there is nothing more to be said about a corpse than about a smashed watch then the hindu thinks the universe is not continuous its continuity means for him that there is something which eternally manifests itself in perishable forms but does not perish with them any more than water when a pitcher is broken or fire that passes from the wood it has consumed to fresh fuel these metaphors suggest that the doctrine of transmigration or reincarnation does not promise what we call personal immortality i confess that i cannot understand how there can be personality in the ordinary human sense without a body when we think of a friend we think of a body and a character thoughts and feelings all of them connected with that body and many of them conditioned by it but the immortal soul is commonly esteemed to be something equally present in a newborn babe, a youth, and an old man. If so, 
it cannot be a personality in the ordinary sense for no one could recognize the spirit of a departed friend if it is something which was present in him the day he was born and different from all the characteristics which he acquired during life the belief that we shall recognize our friends in another world assumes that these characteristics are immortal but it is hard to understand how they can be so especially as it is also assumed that there is nothing immortal in a dog which possesses affection and intelligence but that there is something immortal in a newborn infant which cannot be said to possess either in one way metempsychosis raises insuperable difficulties to the survival of personality for if you become someone else especially an animal you are no longer yourself according to any ordinary use of language but one of the principal forms taken by the doctrine in india makes a modified survival intelligible for it is held that a newborn child brings with it as a result of actions done in previous lives certain predispositions and these after being developed and modified in the course of that child's life are transmitted to its next existence as to the method of transmission there are various theories for in india the belief in reincarnation is not so much a dogma as an instinct innate in all and only occasionally justified by philosophers not because it was disputed but because they felt bound to show that their own systems were compatible with it one explanation is that given by the vedanta philosophy according to which the soul is accompanied in its migrations by the sukshmasarira or subtle body a counterpart of the mortal body but transparent and invisible though material the truth of this theory as of all theories respecting ghosts and spirits seems to me a matter for experimental verification but the vedanta recognizes that in our experience a personal individual existence is always connected with the physical substratum the buddhist theory of rebirth is somewhat different for buddhism even in its later divagations rarely ceased to profess belief in gotama's doctrine that there is no such thing as a soul by which is meant no such thing as a permanent unchanging self or atman buddhists are concerned to show that transmigration is not inconsistent with this denial of the atman the ordinary and indeed inevitable translation of this word by soul leads to misunderstanding for we naturally interpret it as meaning that there is nothing which survives the death of the body and a fortiori nothing to transmigrate but in reality the denial of the atman applies to the living rather than to the dead it means that in a living man there is no permanent unchangeable entity but only a series of mental states and since human beings although they have no atman certainly exist in this present life the absence of the atman is not in itself an obstacle to belief in a similar life after death or before birth infancy youth age and the state immediately after death may form a series of which the last two are as intimately connected as any other two 
the buddhist teaching is that when men die in whom the desire for another life exists as it exists in all except saints then desire which is really the creator of the world fashions another being conditioned by the character and merits of the being which has just come to an end life is like fire its very nature is to burn its fuel when one body dies it is as if one piece of fuel were burnt the vital process passes on and recommences in another and so long as there is desire of life the provision of fuel fails not buddhist doctors have busied themselves with the question whether two successive lives are the same man or different men and have illustrated the relationship by various analogies of things which seem to be the same and yet not the same such as a child and an adult milk and curds or fire which spreads from a lamp and burns down a village but like the brahmins they do not discuss why the hypothesis of transmigration is necessary they had the same feeling for the continuity of nature and more than others they insisted on the principle that everything has a cause they held that the sexual act creates the conditions in which a new life appears but is not an adequate cause for the new life itself and unless we accept a materialist explanation of human nature this argument is sound unless we admit that mind is merely a function of matter the birth of a mind is not explicable as a mere process of cell development something pre-existent must act upon the cells europeans in discussing such questions as the nature of the soul and immortality are prone to concentrate their attention on death and neglect the phenomena of birth which surely are equally important for if a soul survives the death of this complex of cells which is called the body its origin and development must according to all analogy be different from those of the perishable body orthodox theology deals with the problem by saying that god creates a new soul every time a child is born but free discussion usually ignores it and taking an adult as he is asks what are the chances that any part of him survives death footnote thirty five i believe this to be the orthodox explanation but it is open to many objections one it is a mere phrase if to create means to produce something out of nothing then we have never seen such an act and to ascribe a sudden appearance to such an act is really no explanation perhaps an act of imagination or a dream may justly be called a creation but the relation between a soul and its creator is not usually regarded as similar to the relation between a mind and its fancies two the responsibility of god for the evil of the world seems to be greatly increased if he is directly responsible for every birth of a child in unhappy conditions three animals are not supposed to have souls therefore the production of an animal's mind is not explained by this theory and it seems to be assumed 
that such a complex mind as a dog's can be explained as a function of matter whereas there is something in a child which cannot be so explained for if a new immortal soul is created every time a birth takes place the universe must be receiving incalculably large additions for some philosophies such an idea is impossible see bradley appearance and reality page 502 Quote, the universe is incapable of increase and to suppose a constant supply of new souls none of which ever perished would clearly land us in the end in an insuperable difficulty but even if we do not admit that it is impossible it at least destroys all analogy between the material and spiritual worlds if all the bodies that ever lived continued to exist separately after death the congestion would be unthinkable is a corresponding congestion in the spiritual world really thinkable End footnote. yet the questions what is destroyed at death and how and why are closely connected with the questions what comes into existence at birth and how and why this second series of questions is hard enough but it has this advantage over the first that whereas death abruptly closes the road and we cannot follow the soul one inch on its journey beyond the portals of birth are a less absolute frontier we know that every child has passed through stages in which it could hardly be called a child the earliest phase consists of two cells which unite and then proceed to subdivide and grow the mystery of the process by which they assume a human form is not explained by scientific or theological phrases the complete individual is assuredly not contained in the first germ the microscope cannot find it there and to say that it is there potentially merely means that we know the germ will develop in a certain way to say that a force is manifesting itself in the germ and assuming the shape which it chooses to take or must take is also merely a phrase and metaphor but it seems to me to fit the facts footnote thirty six this seems to be the view of the chandogya upanishad six twelve as the whole world is a manifestation of brahman so is the great banyan tree a manifestation of the subtle essence which is also present in its minute seeds End footnote. the doctrines of pre-existence and transmigration but not i think of karma which is purely indian are common among savages in africa and america nor is their wide distribution strange savages commonly think that the soul wanders during sleep and that a dead man's soul goes somewhere what more natural than to suppose that the soul of a newborn infant comes from somewhere but among civilized peoples such ideas are in most cases due to indian influence in india they seem indigenous to the soil and not imported by the aryan invaders for they are not clearly enunciated in the rig veda nor formulated before the time of the upanishads footnote thirty seven the brihad aranyaka upanishad knows of samsara and karma but as matters of deep philosophy and not for the vulgar 
but in the buddhist pitakas they are assumed as universally accepted the doctrine must therefore have been popularized after the composition of the upanishad but some allowance must be made for the fact that the upanishads and the earliest versions of the buddhist suttas were produced in different parts of india End footnote. they were introduced by buddhism to the far east and their presence in manichaeism neoplatonism sufiism and ultimately in the jewish kabbalah seems a rivulet from the same source recent research discredits the theory that metempsychosis was an important feature in the earlier religion of egypt or among the druids footnote thirty eight yet many instances are quoted from celtic and teutonic folklore to the effect that birds and butterflies are human souls and caesar's remarks about the druids may not be wholly wrong End footnote but it played a prominent part in the philosophy of pythagoras and in the orphic mysteries which had some connection with thrace and possibly also with crete a few great european intellects notably plato and virgil have given it undying expression but europeans as a whole have rejected it with that curiously crude contempt which they have shown until recently for oriental art and literature footnote thirty nine several other europeans of eminence have let their minds play with the ideas of metempsychosis pre-existence and karma as for instance giordano bruno swedenborg goethe lessing lavater herder schopenhauer ibsen von helmont lichtenberg and in england such different spirits as hume and wordsworth it would appear that towards the end of the eighteenth century these ideas were popular in some literary circles on the continent see bertollet the transmigration of souls pages one hundred eleven and succeeding pages recently professor mctaggart has argued in favor of the doctrine with great lucidity and persuasiveness huxley too did not think it absurd see his romanus lecture evolution and ethics collected essays volume nine page sixty one as doyson observes kant's argument which bases immortality on the realization of the moral law attainable only by an infinite process of approximation points to transmigration rather than immortality in the usual sense End footnote considering how fixed is the belief in immortality among europeans or at least the desire for it the rarity of a belief in pre-existence or transmigration is remarkable but most people's expectation of a future life is based on craving rather than on reasoned anticipation i cannot myself understand how anything that comes into being can be immortal such immortality is unsupported by a single analogy nor can any instance be quoted of a thing which is known to have had an origin and yet is even apparently indestructible footnote forty the chemical elements are hardly an exception apparently they have no beginning and no end but there is reason to suspect that they have both end footnote
and is it possible to suppose that the universe is capable of indefinite increase by the continual addition of new and eternal souls but these difficulties do not exist for theories which regard the soul as something existing before as well as after the body truly immortal a parte ante as well as a parte post and manifesting itself in temporary homes of human or lower shape such theories become very various and fall into many obscurities when they try to define the nature of the soul and its relation to the body but they avoid what seems to me the contradiction of the created but immortal soul the doctrine of metempsychosis is also interesting as affecting the relations of men and animals the popular european conception of the beasts which perish weakens the arguments for human immortality for if the mind of a dog or chimpanzee contains no element which is immortal the part of the human mind on which the claim to immortality can be based must be parlously small since ex hypothesis sensation volition desire and the simpler forms of intelligence are not immortal but in india where men have more charity and more philosophy this distinction is not drawn the animating principle of men animals and plants is regarded as one or at least similar and even matter which we consider inanimate such as water is often considered to possess a soul but though there is ample warrant in both brahmanic and buddhist literature for the idea that the soul may sink from a human to an animal form or vice versa rise and though one sometimes meets this belief in modern life yet it is not the most prominent aspect of metempsychosis in india and the beautiful precept of ahimsa or not injuring living things is not as europeans imagine founded on the fear of eating one's grandparents but rather on the humane and enlightened feeling that all life is one and that men who devour beasts are not much above the level of the beasts who devour one another footnote forty one i know well authenticated cases of burmese and indians thinking that the soul of a dead child had passed into an animal End footnote. the feeling has grown stronger with time in the vedas animal sacrifices are prescribed and they are even now used in the worship of some deities in the epics the eating of meat is mentioned but the doctrine that it is wrong to take animal life was definitely adopted by buddhism and gained strength with its diffusion one obvious objection to all theories of rebirth is that we do not remember our previous existences and that if they are connected by no thread of memory they are for all practical purposes the existences of different people but this want of memory affects not only past existences but the early phases of this existence does any one deny his existence as an infant or embryo because he cannot remember it footnote forty two or again when i wake up in the morning 
i am conscious of my identity because innumerable circumstances remind me of the previous day but if i wake up suddenly in the night with a toothache which leaves room for no thought or feeling except the feeling of pain is the fact that i experience the pain in any way lessened if for the moment i do not know who or where i am End footnote. and if a wrong could be done to an infant the effects of which would not be felt for twenty years could it be said to be no concern of the infant because the person who will suffer in twenty years time will have no recollection that he was that infant and common opinion in eastern asia not without occasional confirmation from europe denies the proposition that we cannot remember our former lives and asserts that those who take any pains to sharpen their spiritual faculties can remember them the evidence for such recollection seems to me better than the evidence for most spiritualistic phenomena footnote forty three i believe that a french savant colonel rochas has investigated in a scientific spirit cases in which hypnotized subjects profess to remember their former births and found that these recollections are as clear and coherent as any revelations about another world which have been made by mrs piper or other mediums but i have not been able to obtain any of colonel rocha's writings End footnote. another objection comes from the facts of heredity on the whole we resemble our parents and ancestors in mind as well as in body a child often seems to be an obvious product of its parents and not a being come from outside and from another life this objection of course applies equally to the creation theory if the soul is created by an act of god there seems to be no reason why it should be like the parents or if he causes it to be like them he is made responsible for sending children into the world with vicious natures on the other hand if parents literally make a child mind as well as body there seems to be no reason why children should ever be unlike their parents or brothers and sisters unlike one another as they undoubtedly sometimes are an indian would say that a soul seeking rebirth carries with it certain potentialities of good and evil and can obtain embodiment only in a family offering the necessary conditions footnote forty four i use the word soul merely for simplicity but buddhists and others might demur to this phraseology End footnote. hence to some extent it is natural that the child should be like its parents but the soul seeking rebirth is not completely fixed in form and stiff it is hampered and limited by the results of its previous life but in many respects it may be flexible and free ready to vary in response to its new environment but there is a psychological and temperamental objection to the doctrine of rebirth which goes to the root of the matter love of life and the desire to find a field of activity are so strong in most europeans that it might be supposed that a theory offering an endless vista of new activities and new chances would be acceptable but as a rule 
Europeans who discuss the question say that they do not relish this prospect. They may be willing to struggle until death, but they wish for repose, conscious repose, of course, afterwards. The idea that one just dead has not entered into his rest, but is beginning another life with similar struggles and fleeting successes, similar sorrows and disappointments, is not satisfying and is almost shocking. Footnote 45 But for a contrary view, see Reincarnation, The Hope of the World, by Irving S. Cooper. Even the Brihad Aranayaka Upanishad 4434 speaks of new births as new, and more beautiful shapes which the soul fashions for itself as a goldsmith works a piece of gold. End footnote. We do not like it, and not to like any particular view about the destinies of the soul is generally, but most illogically, considered a reason for rejecting it. Footnote 46. The increase of the human population of this planet does not seem to me a serious argument against the doctrine of rebirth for animals, and the denizens of other worlds may be supplying an increasing number of souls competent to live as human beings. End footnote. End of section 11. Recording by Linda Johnson.